0: And you ask yourself the question, wait a second, why did all this come into be? What, where did I develop this belief system that success had to be this way? And it's okay. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing to work hard and, and follow your purpose and create yeah. your life. I'm not saying it's not. But you have to understand what is the cost of that creation? What are you sacrificing? And why are you doing it? What is your motivation?
1: Try this by the way exercise. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders, different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation.
2: But they're not twins. One's just at the beginning and the other one's at the end of eleven.
0: That's incredible. So you're five. Six. Six. Oh.
2: <laughs> Two oh <my> girls. <laughs> four boys. And here's the scary part three grandbabies. So I'm a Gigi.
0: Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> did you, but did was the six, was it like, I definitely want to have like five to six kids? Or was that, did it just kind of unfold as your life unfolded?
2: Oh, are you, are you such an organized person that you go, I'm going to have this one and they're going to come out at that. No, that's not me. So the answer to that was no. I was a very young mama. And so when I first began and then so I had a couple then and then I kind of say that I've got two generations. So it's the older generation and then the younger generation, although the younger is getting a bit older. So it's kind of scary. Like they're literally... You know the girls are one started high school and they're ones at the you know the other end of primary school. So like they are getting older, and it's exciting. It really is just to venture on and have kids at all different levels. I think it's what keeps me real and <laughs> keeps my and keeps me really grounded because like you've got to you're navigating so many different things. One of the things that's interesting is, and, and I don't know I don't know if you've heard this yet, but I, I asked my kids, I said, "You know, what's kind of like the old days to you?" And you know what the answer was?
3: <laughs>
2: Yesterday is the olden days, ma
3: <laughs> that's Oh my so- gosh! <laughs> How crazy is that: That is
0: that's a scary question though. What is the olden days to you? Because I think about that.
3: What is
2: the olden days to you?
0: The olden days to me is like when MSN Messenger was the thing. And that was the only thing. And it was enough. (laughs) Like it was like, it was
2: enough. That's (laughs) hilarious. So do you remember CDs and discs and Walkmans? I I thought it was really cool when I got my first Walkman.
0: My buddy just got a Walkman. So I guess it's coming back. (laughs)
2: Wow, no way. That's hilarious. (laughs) I still do. I mean,
0: we got a record machine that plays CDs and there's like this record store that has just as many CDs as it does records. And they're like anywhere from like two to six bucks a CD, depending on like what CD it is. So, you know, it's there must be a market,
3: right?
2: Well, here's the funny thing. And do you think we've kind of, it's like we do these cycles. We start getting into something and then we go, bored of that. There's so much that stimulates us and we move on to the next thing and then we go, actually, that was kind of all right. Let's pick that up again.
3: Is, yeah. Do you we think do we kind
2: with, of like that as humans?
0: I think we, don't we do that with our relationships too and <laughs> not just our Oh, my family. gosh. <laughs> like, no. that's, you know, you like, you have the separation and maybe you like love and and cherish the relationship with your new partner, but you're like, yeah, the other one was all right as well. (laughs) You know, it's like.
2: But isn't that why we're going through so many relationships? If you think of it, it's blown me away, honestly, during this whole, when this pandemic hit the horizon, how many relationships haven't stuck through it?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, we go through relationships because, you know, we try and slay our inner demons yeah. via our partner. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we think, okay, well, either this person's going to fix me or I'm going to fix this person. And then that's going to fix me. And we're not dealing with me. And all next thing you know, we leave when hmm. what could have been not all the time, but what could have been the answer was to just do some inner work and see what you were mirroring to that person or what they were mirroring back to you. And so. That's the relationship side of it. But I think the thing, same thing for CDs. It's like, yeah, we, we want the new shiny object. And then it's like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. My iPhone is almost mm. as big as my Walkman. So it's not like my pockets are any more empty, you know.
2: I love that. This is so random. But I, firstly, I want to welcome you to the decision table. We are literally just going to have a conversation here. Who knows where it goes? We have a bit of fun on here, but we also go really deep and there's no judgment zone on here, so you can say whatever you want to. But one of the things I do is I do use a lens each month. And this month, we've been using the lens of humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. And I think that for me, it's the pinnacle of everything that I teach and train because I think what if we went back to When we're making decisions at the table, humanity as stakeholders, what would that change and what would that look like? But if we think of that and we talk about relationships, Mm -hmm. have we just gone, okay, let's move on to the next thing, the next person because we're not putting humanity as stakeholders?
3: That's the question for me. (laughs) I don't know. Uh,
2: I just I, wondered, it, actually, when we were talking, that, that kind of came up in my head.
0: Yeah, it, it's a very fair question. I think that humanity is like a bit of a maxim or like a bit of a, a thing. It's like if a corporation slaps the word, you know, we're all about humanity and the gifts of money to charity, and we all see that, that doesn't actually mean that anything they do is for humanity. And we're so inundated with this word now because there's a lot of great causes. There's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things, and we see a lot of it. And I think the more of it that we kind of get hit with, the less we connect with that word, right? And so now I think like a lot of it is humanity as a way for us to just think that we're doing a good job in the world, think that we're participating in the world, but really Unfortunately, there's still a lot of selfish behavior and action that we have to remove if we actually really if we're actually thinking about humanity as a stakeholder mm-hmm. in this thing, right? You know what's you know what's maybe the most simplest one if we think about climate change, right? Yeah. Deny or not deny, whatever the case is. If you're gonna, you can't just march in the parade with Greta. You know. Oh. <laughs> you if you do, do that.
2: Stuff. Does it all change? I thought it did. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: And I know that's like super simplistic. I get that, but I think that that's what's happening with a lot of things. I think that's what's happening with the various movements, all important Black Lives Matter, the movements around, you know, racism against Asians in America, the indigenous cultures. There's so mm. many that I think as human beings, we intrinsically have a tough time really penetrating one when there's 15. And maybe the result is is not as significant as if we really just dialed into one, but now I'm way over here.
3: <laughs> we're talking about- oh
2: my gosh, I love it. Actually, what is interesting, and I was just thinking it as you were talking, was, oh my goodness, we went straight in to the deep, deep. Like I, You're actually the first one that's gone right to that other side, which for you, obviously, when you hear that word humanity, you think of contribution, impact, or that side of it, right? Or not?
0: Well, yeah, I think I do, but I think more of, yeah. And by the way,
2: that's not bad. It's yeah. just a question.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think more about, when I hear the word humanity, I think more about what is our shared humanity and that we can use that as a digression back to the discussion about relationships. What is the shared humanity of our relationships? Well, how deep does that go? So the shared humanity of our relationships, you and I both have children. So yeah. our relationships don't just affect... Us and our partner. Our relationships affect our children. Our relationships affect how our children show up in the world. Our relationships affect potentially our grandchildren, right?
3: (laughs) That entire
0: mind comes through one lifelong, potentially lifelong interaction, right? Of which much of humanity is at stake because we're, you know, we're eating so much beyond ourselves. And so if we as a couple, Find a way to work through our challenges, work through our differences, find ways to build love into our relationship as opposed to taking the exit, which is, is again, I always want to stress sometimes that's the right thing to do, right? Yeah, Absolutely. But many of the times we're just not feeling satisfied and humanity's at stake, right? Not just our own selfish feeling of I'm not getting what I want in this relationship. So I think about that. I think how everything we do Mm. is connected to so much more of humanity that we don't even sometimes see when it goes down generation lines and crosses continents and stuff like
2: that. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting thing that's come up a lot in the conversations that I've had at the table. And, you know, it's through many of the different lenses that we've used already this year, but is this whole generational thing. And I think you know for me personally, every decision that is made is not just impacting this generation but that is going to be impacting the generations and the generations to come and if I'm going to be making decisions at the table, I want to know that I'm leaving footsteps behind that the next generations can actually springboard from, right, not have to dig up and fix and and try and find their way like I just feel like we had the privilege of, well, I personally did, of being born into a generation where we had a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if we continue the way we're going, whether we are leaving behind that opportunity and more for the next generations to springboard from. Have you got any insights around that or
3: thoughts?
0: Yeah, that's really good, and I'm so glad that you... I never thought of it in the way of footsteps, and I think that's just brilliant. You know, there's there's a lot of ways to look at that when we talk about what's the opportunity we're leaving behind. There's a financial way of looking at that, right? You know, what's happened, and I'm I'm not totally immersed in this world, but what has happened over the last period of time is as we go through generations, that wealth is supposed to be handed down to the next mm-hmm. generation. That opportunity is supposed to be handed down to the next generation. But by and large, what's been happening is that that transfer of wealth has not actually been happening. And the gap between the young rich and the old rich is is increasing, right? It's not, and it shouldn't, it should be decreasing, right? The young should be catching up. And so even though we're in this fast, this incredibly fast paced world of endless opportunity across an endless amount of different sectors and industries. That transfer of wealth isn't happening the way it's supposed to. So that is a concern. Mm. There's so much protection over, over that wealth. And I can give sort of a, an example that just was shared with me recently about how broken the system is. So, Mm. you know, the U S airline industry is asking for something like a $50 billion bailout. Right. Yeah. Due to the global pandemic, COVID-19 now one thing, sure, that makes sense. Nobody was flying. Right. But what yeah. isn't part of that story is that the U.S. airline industry has spent $45 billion mm-hmm. buying back shares of their own companies to keep their share price in- inflated. So they're a- effectively keeping their share price steady, padding their, their own bank accounts on taxpayers dollars that should instead be used towards fueling innovation and opportunity for the youth, right? Transferring that wealth back down. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one thing, but I think where where we're in the most interesting place in time is you know is what is the emotional legacy that we are going to leave and how free from ourselves are we going to be going into you know the next generation and the generation after that because that's really where i think we've come to as a society there's no question that we've created a world in which we're going to have a higher standard of living by and large from a material standpoint than or at least have access to that than than previous generations but take away the tesla take away the shoes and whatever else it is that you now have more access to than your grandma's grandma did what is the emotional impact that we're carrying and how do we know how to deal with that and i think that right now what we're seeing is this big opening up and a lot of people are, are saying a lot of things and learning a lot of things and ingesting a lot of things like, <laughs> you know, this is sort of crazy, but, you know, people talking about woke culture and 5D and really kind of the pendulum swinging very, very far <laughs> in front of yeah. maybe what we really are, even if that's where we're heading to. And so I think it's really important for for us to help our generations understand what the human condition is from an emotional standpoint, so that we can free that from ourselves. And I think that was a a very long ramble. (laughs) uh... It was a
2: great ramble. And I I love it. And there were so many things that I want to pull out from it. One of the things is that, in a lot of ways what we were talking about were challenges that are hitting across the globe. We went big in that way and and really addressed some of those things. And then you pulled it right back to going. But then does the next generation or the gener- you know, the younger generation, our generation and the generations to come, do we have that emotional capacity? to be able to take on, A, whatever are the consequences of maybe some of the decisions we've made, right? Come on, let's be real here. And then on the other side of it, it's whatever. Like I think that there's often when there's an awareness of such greatness that maybe the awoken sort of side of it talks about in that way, there becomes more of a responsibility that has to come with that as well if you are going to be more awake. That's my belief on it. And have we got that emotional capacity to be able to take on some of that or to work with that in the best way that's going to be the most effective for humanity going forward?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that and to be to be an ambassador of of an awareness that maybe you've cultivated in your own life or awokeness, if you will.
2: <laughs> it's so random talking like that. Keep going. <laughs>
0: Is is not to be a preacher on Twitter, is not to be a preacher on Instagram and a condemner because that isn't awareness, that isn't woke. Like that is something that is inside. And if someone comes to you and they say, Hey, this is what's up for me, what are Mm -hmm. your thoughts about it? I'm inviting that. That's how someone who has cultivated that awareness should be passing that down, you know, not in this general environment that makes a lot of people feel kind of bad. And I don't think the intent is ill by any means.
2: So I understand. So you're meaning that if you think of the tribal side of life, right? The tribes within tribes, you would learn how to do things or what, or what that was look like. Are you saying we should be going back into more of the ass learning on that scale versus it being released in Twitter, social media of some sort, Facebook, wherever?
0: I I mean, everything's got got duality baked into it. And so the fact that there is a lot of that conversation there is good, but there's Mm. no context and there's no, it's good in the sense that it brings more awareness to this idea that you know, we have the capacity as human beings to free ourselves from our own suffering, our our own
2: absolutely
0: wounds. Yep. But when it happens without the context, it often it often feels like shaming. It often feels like guilt. Tell like... me
2: more about that. I think we need to unpack that more. What do you mean by that?
0: What do I mean by the shaming piece and the guilt piece? The capacity,
2: I mean... yeah, yeah, no, the capacity to to. Uh... Unpack that, I guess, with the shame in the side of it, right?
0: Well, it's it's so easy because you know if we unless we are free of comparing ourselves to others, right? Right. If we have somehow found it in ourselves to not look at somebody else's success or way of life or whatever in the from the lens of comparison, Mm -hmm. then if I see you on Instagram or wherever living your best life, as they say,
3: right. Living yeah. your life
0: your way, preaching your Let's wisdom. That's
3: right. Yeah.
0: A lot of people that I do work with, mm. that doesn't make them feel better. That makes them feel, why can't I cultivate that? Why don't I have that? And it and it has this this opposite effect where it shows them exactly what they don't like about themselves. It shows them exactly what they don't think they have in their own life. And so... They so, thi- so
2: I just, I'm trying to understand. So then, should I not be doing that because I'm now making other people feel, or are we, uh, meant to be as humans getting to a point where we're not even having to deal with comparison? That's what I'm trying to understand on this.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's a really, really good point. And I think that the answer is lies in you are and should do whatever it is that you want to do. Right. Those that that aren't ready to hear that mm. shouldn't listen to it. They shouldn't. They shouldn't go there. Right. They should take mm. their own
3: steps Interesting.
0: at their own pace to get there. And the challenge is that it's hard to control those steps because we're so inundated. We're so overwhelmed with that constant stream of how to improve ourselves and it has a negative effect right because because when we go and approach something from that lens it implies automatically that something is wrong now something with us that something might be we might So have when it. we
2: go to the lens of using comparison is that what we're talking about
0: yeah yeah when we go to the lens okay. of
2: i'm just being the reason okay. I'm questioning all of this is I think that often and something that I'm finding out even more so th- using humanity as stakeholders is that is, and it's just been so strong and that is that the way we communicate, the way you're saying something, I want to really understand from what you're saying so yeah. that I can then go, "Haha," or no, I really think this or mm-hmm. not even going there. Because I think we often miss, just keeping it real, we often miss what you're actually saying because it's not the way I would think about it.
0: Right, right. It's one of those things where, and for anyone who's listening, you know, anything that I'm sharing, I'm sharing my own feelings towards. I'm sharing my own experience Mm. of it, right? Clearly, (laughs) I struggle with that. And so And Tell me,
2: where does that come from?
0: Right? Well, if we go back to, you know, our childhoods and we go back to this idea of like, how do we shape this sense of self that we have?
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Let's go there.
0: Well, you can uncover pretty quick that not much of what you think actually came from you. You mm-hmm. think it did. Your mind thinks it did but really it came from your parents and it came from your friends. It came from your teachers and it came from the media and it came from the news and it came from your favorite magazine and it came from your favorite TV show. And so all your young life, you've, you've been inundated with these concepts that create the lens in which you see the world. That lens could mean, I believe I could be anything that lens could believe could be, I believe I'm nothing that lens could be money is important. That lens could be money's not important. That lens could be my love life needs to be this certain way. My love life needs to be that certain way. Right. And so we have this, this concept body, right. That, that we're carrying with us into our adulthood, but all of a sudden in our adulthood, We're faced with it in an entirely different way. As a child, we're under the protection of our parents. We're not independent. And so we don't know, right? We don't have this.
3: Well, you're you're
2: saying so many things that I just (laughs) want to push in there. Because firstly, before we move into the adulthood, (laughs) let's go back to that childhood. Like I've never heard it quite in that way because here's the thing. If we are under parenthood of our decisions and who we are, then you're saying it is because of our environment, our parents, our growing up of whatever that was, that we were stepping into who we were next. Am I right in understanding that from what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I'm not saying we don't have our own personality or we don't have our own our own individuality inside of it, but what I'm saying is oh. put around. That's
2: where I would have a little bit to say about that one. But first, before I do say something about that, tell me why have you come up with this?
0: I why have I come up with this?
2: Come from you, as in you, not we, but you. What was that like for you as a kid?
0: So, I was a really, I was a really talented long distance runner as a child.
2: Wow!
0: And as a teenager, and I represented Canada internationally, and I had a full ride scholarship, Mm -hmm. and I. My whole life was centered around running. And my, my approval system from my parents, sure. from, my, from my network centered around running. And then in my freshman year of college, right after qualifying for the Worlds, I ruptured my Achilles. Ouch.
2: And, in more ways than one.
0: Right? <laughs> and I was not able to do the one thing that made me feel important, that made me feel yeah. like I was seen as a human being, Right. Mm-hmm. And so over the course of the next decade, starting numerous successful businesses, I operated from the standpoint of filling the void of running with yeah. successful running or sorry, successful businesses. You know, I raised millions of dollars, took a company onto the Nasdaq, but I was I was didn't know it, but I was desperate to be seen. I was just desperate yeah. to yeah. to have something. And then by the end of it, when I'd sold my company to an Australian, I had an underwear company called Naked, hence the getting naked piece there <laughs> and, and the book. And I was depressed. I was anxiety ridden. And I had, a, I had a death and my, one of my dear friends passed away who was young like me, had young children. Mm. And it was the first time I'd asked myself why I was doing anything. Why was I mm. a runner? When if I looked back at it, I maybe enjoyed the running, but I didn't enjoy the pressure and the competition and the stakes mm. always be the best. And, and I was robbed. And this isn't a poor me story. So many people have a similar version of, of this story in, in some way, whether that's academics, whether that's hockey, whether that's whatever. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're torn open. And you ask yourself the question, wait a second, why did all this come into be? Where did I develop this belief system that success had to be this way and and I had mm-hmm. to be this way? And so that's where the work led to this idea of, of these this understanding, I should say, of, of, of these concepts and that
3: mm-hmm. underneath
0: it all, maybe I still wanted to be in business as an entrepreneur. But it, it didn't have to be. In the same way that I was doing it for. It didn't have to be, you know, I was almost divorced. I hadn't seen my daughter in practically two years because I was traveling 250 days a year on the road.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's that's not healthy. And it's okay, it's 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 a wonderful, beautiful thing to work hard and, and follow your purpose and create
3: yeah.
0: your life. I'm not saying it's not. But you have to understand. What is the cost of that creation? What are you sacrificing? And why are you doing it? What is your motivation internally, Mm -hmm. intrinsic? And so
2: that's. See, I think those are absolutely powerful questions, by the way.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so that's, you know, I guess I kind of rambled on before, and that's, and that's where a lot of this comes from is that, that journey of my own self to say, hey, now I'm here with you. Yeah. But I'm not here in the, it's the same as I was as a twenty-seven-year-old,
2: and I guy. get that. And I wanna, I wanna just acknowledge the fact that you shared such a beautiful vulnerability of your story, and I want you to be able to share that because, in a lot of ways, that's where that truth for you comes out of. I think it's interesting because then we make it a truth for everyone, and I wonder mm-hmm. is it, and I, so I, and maybe it is a truth for everyone. I'm not saying no, it's not. I'm literally questioning it. And I think that the other piece of this is, and something from my side of the work has been this, I call it the secretive advantage, which is if you're able to actually exercise the muscle of human intelligence. And for me, human intelligence is the data in which we have within us that we then have as an output. And... Sometimes that data comes into us from environments. Sometimes it's in our DNA from, you know, genetically. Sometimes it's experiences. Sometimes it's emotion. There's so many different triggers that give us data within our bodies, Mm -hmm. physical, emotional, spiritual, you name it, it's there. It builds our DNA. So that's why I questioned what you said because I – I would question whether it has just been a moment in that time where the parents have been the one that put that data into me because I know. Oh, yeah. Or that I come from a position of now I'm out from that. I'm growing into adulthood because I think what the risk of something like this is when we say things like this is a truth as a, like as a general truth of everything. What's the word I'm trying to think of? As a it's in the tip of my head somewhere, <laughs> way back down there somewhere. But but when we, say, we say intelligence to get it out. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you've been on four days of events. So but I mean, reality is, right? When we have all this intelligence within us, I think if we we step and we go, because of this, I then became that, then the ownership Mm-hmm. Gets removed from me. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a huge risk when we don't own who we are right now, whether that's good, bad, or ugly. Mm-hmm. But if we don't own that, or we don't own. So I'm not saying that you were to own all those things. But what I would be saying is, what did you own during mm-hmm. that time?
3: Yeah. That's, and what that's... are you
2: doing with that? now that you know that how are you going to leave some of that behind and some of that take forward because you know it works for you
3: that's
0: beautiful and i by the way i totally agree if i didn't if i didn't say it properly i just i did believe that some of those experiences become so heavy that they they do cover up a lot One of the big ones. And I totally
2: agree, by the way. I agree with that.
0: Yeah. I I mean, one of the big ones is sexual abuse. And how many people define so much of their life based on something that we talk about ownership.
3: Yeah. Nothing
0: to do with them, although they still have to own that it happened and that it doesn't have anything to do with them, their worth, their sexuality. Any of that, right? And so I think that... So why did
2: you bring that one up then?
0: Just because it's something that... it's Actually, I would tell you if if it's something that happened to me. It's not, but Mm. I just... So many people... But is it it,
2: something that when you see working with clients through this whole lens of comparison, is it something that you've seen a lot of?
0: I see it a lot in self-worth-ish, where... Mm. you know what's under, what's under, what's under, right? Right. So the, you know, there's there's the self, there's this idea that I have trouble with self worth. So what does that manifest as? That manifests in, in I am overly kind and generous to the point of sacrificing my own health and and wellness. Mm. Or I do nonstop charity work, and again, charity work is a beautiful thing, but I, I don't have an off button there. Or yeah. I need to make all the money in the world to feel, or I need to yeah. be seen on TV, et cetera, et cetera. So many of those, those outputs underneath, it comes down to self-worth. And often for me, self-worth came from feeling like achievement was the only thing that made me worthy. But I have seen with, with clients I've worked with, I can't even count how many times, where the sexual abuse became The vehicle that created this 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 lack of self-worth and this need to fill it in other things that they were doing and owning it is so complicated right
2: (laughs) i I, but it's not impossible and i the reason i say that is because i'm fascinated with patterns that's my work is all based on patterns and i go what if we could wire to a different pattern get a different behavior and then actually get the result we want. What would that need to look like? And that's why I asked that question because I would absolutely put a lot of money on it that a lot of them had been sexually abused. Here's the crazy thing. I also know that because you've been sexually abused, I've, I mean, I've got a massive story. Who you see in front of you is not who you would have expected when you saw that young girl that I was growing up, like it is the opposite worlds. And in past decision tables, I've talked about it with different people and gone into different situations because I've got nothing to hide in that way. But I had to disrupt a lot of patterns. Mm-hmm. And I took ownership of those patterns going, hey, I can't stop what has happened in the past. I can't change all the families that I went in and out of as a young girl growing up. I can't change the fact that I had so many people say to me, Kiri Marie, you are never going to amount to anything. And I can't change any of those things. What I can change is what I decide today.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. And every day, yeah.
2: And every day going forward, Mm -hmm. right? But here's the thing my drivers have to be stronger that I want that change rather than going back to what I call your default decision DNA.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. And it's the thing that I've, I've come to understand as awareness being where the ownership comes into place, right? So when Mm -hmm. we're able to you know, if we talk about, you know, you can take a spiritual path to this, you can take a practical path, you can take a yeah. what, psychology path, you could. there's so many paths to this one idea of awareness, and that's separating ourselves from those patterns, separating ourselves just enough that we can see it's a pattern, just yeah. enough that we can see, hey, I see where that dot connected. And to your point, I can't change what happened then. Mm-hmm. and in all honesty one of the things that's so challenging about again it's 100 percent possible is that what happened then is not the story we, we necessarily carry with us today yeah. it's the memory of the story which has over time shifted and shaped just little bits of ways that make it harder and harder like it's like it attaches <laughs> more and more and when yeah, to your point I, you know when we see it and the problem and the challenge with healing, which is why I always say healing's on a continuum. It's not on an ayahuasca journey, or it's not on a, you know, whatever. Oh, you mean
2: you just don't fix it like this,
0: right? It's because that pattern's going to show up. One of my one of my friends always said it takes as long to wade out of the water as it did to wade in. Sometimes,
2: sometimes, you know, I yeah. think I think it depends how fast you can disrupt and how willing you are and how desperate you want it. I yeah. really do. So well, I always say there's, there's many people who can't work with me, like literally, and I wouldn't make you work with me, like, right, because that wouldn't be fair. And I always say, but I know lots of people who you could work with. Yeah. But if you're really willing to play big, to disrupt the patterns, and I don't care what your story, I call it your old story is, let's, make your new one, and let's put – because here's the thing that a lot of people don't do. They go, okay, let's deal with this. Let's heal this. Great. But they don't rewire to a new pattern. Mm -hmm. And guess what? When we're not rewired to a new pattern, we go straight back Mm -hmm. to what we know because there's nothing else to wire to, and that's where we are directed to. So we have to then go, okay, now we know what the pattern is, now we know we need to disrupt it. What are we going to rewire it to? Yeah. And we have to change that. So that's where it doesn't matter what your old story is. You can change it to a new story, but you've got to disrupt it and you've got to rewire it to a new pattern.
0: Yeah, integration.
2: Absolutely. Um, and then here's the thing. Remember how I talked about the muscle of human intelligence? Any muscle, if you're into fitness, I mean, you're a runner you know that you've got to work that muscle. You've got to keep doing your training. You've got to keep looking after it. You've got to have recovery. Mm -hmm. This is no different. Mm -hmm. Just because we've rewired to something, we've got to make sure that that is working and in place and exercise it and and keep moving it. Yeah. And yet often we hope that special pill (laughs) will give us that opportunity to bring the change that we want.
0: It's that i That is so beautifully said, you know, no matter how good you are as a runner or in any sport, there's always a new challenger, there's always a new thing that you have to just tweak to prepare for, you know that being the tie into your metaphor of
3: mm-hmm.
0: of re- of wiring a new a new story and yeah. and so life just keeps coming at you, and yeah. Sometimes even if you have wired that new story and you have integrated it, there's something that just comes out of left field and you got to really work to keep on that new story,
3: you know. Yes,
2: <laughs> and that is a journey. And here's the other piece and something that has been really interesting and I continue, like the, uh, the first thing that I, I talk about usually is the need for a new approach to leadership and, and I'm writing a white paper around it right now. And one of the things that I say is that, you know, we've got the old way we used to do things, but we've got to think of how do we want the new way? See, everyone complains about how it's not working, but where's the solutions? How are we going to even come up with those solutions? And here's the thing. We are on a journey. I call it a leadership journey, right? And... The thing is, what was old school was we used to get told, these are the three principles, if you do this, you'll be a great leader. My thing is, what if we use different lenses and we start asking questions and we start having a new conversation and creating an awareness and then we take ownership from that to what is needed in what we think and where we need to go? Would that change what's happening? Probably. (laughs) Maybe, right?
0: Well, absolutely. I always say that just in, you know, I had this um, film sc- screening recently for a project I mm-hmm. was working on and, and it's an open forum. Criticism is welcome. That's the yeah. point. But all I got back was criticism and I said, wow, where's the solution on the yeah. other side of it? the criticism fine. So I think that's your point is, is there's, there's not, we need to make sure that we are coming up with the solution on the other side of the problem. Social media But here's the
2: thing, what I'm also saying is that we don't just need to come up with a, the solution. I believe we need to keep evolving. And evolving means, to go back to some of the things that you've said, is that we might compare or we might go back to some of the default systems or we might have to work a little harder because we're not used to exercising that muscle in that way. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, just maybe we have to be better people at being able to evolve and to fail or in front of people or to not get it all right in front of people or and if we did that and that was our new norm yeah. would even the lens of comparison have to be there
3: yeah
0: i lost what you said at the very end there didn't uh, come through
2: so if you think of if you think of all of these things, and we go, and we have the freedom, the space that as a humanity where we could fail, we could, because this is all part of evolving, if we can fail out loud, if we can fail and understand and hear where everyone is. Maybe we're not, you know, if you think of all the mental health, you talked about depression, some of us, Aren't all feeling happy every single day, every single hour. If we were able to do that in a more open space, if we were able to go, Hey, our relationships aren't, you know, we're really struggling because I'm working really hard and I need to get these deadlines done, but I also have to be a husband or a partner or a, or a mom or a dad or whatever it is, right? There's comparison in that. And I said, if we were able to do that and be absolutely okay that we are evolving because evolving means that we don't have it all right and 100 percent perfect right because we're learning we're evolving it develops would we even then if that was the case would we even have to have the lens of comparison
0: no no we would yeah we would we would free ourselves of that That I mean, talking about human evolution. That's I guess that's where we're trying to go, right? Because some of these. Well, I'd like
2: to believe so.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly.
2: But I think again, it goes back to us owning that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and being okay with it, being okay with, like, in order to remove comparison, the first step is to just acknowledge that you're comparing. Yeah. Without, because we do it without knowing we're doing it. And then we start to feed the bag of feeling like terrible (laughs) about ourselves. But if we can have the awareness and the ownership of saying, Hey, I'm comparing, even if I'm still comparing, at least I've taken a kernel of it out. And, and like one time I was asked this question, you know, what's, what's the one thing I wish for humanity. And I said, I wish we'd all be a little gentler on each other.
3: Hmm.
0: And that, because if we were a little bit gentler on each other, we'd give each other just enough space to, or we'd hold enough space for each other where we'd have that moment. Now, of mm-hmm. course, we do have to, to achieve that in ourselves, but that idea of like, you know. Say that
2: more. Go back to that. So if we ha- gave each other humanity A little bit more of gentleness, right? Mm -hmm. Then we would hold the space or the moment. What were you meaning then with that? I want to know more of that.
0: Well, I I, I tend to look at so much of what we do with each other as mirrors, right? We're just kind of we're just kind of projecting back onto each other what we're dealing with. And this is one of the things that I found with meditation is that you know I've never I've certainly never seen any angels or spirit guides or anything but literally in my meditation, but I have seen the space, just enough space from my thoughts to not react to them. And so mm-hmm. if, if we mm. taking that same space, let's say you and I were having a, a little, we were both heavily emotional about, we had bad days.
2: Yep. And
0: we've come home. I
2: never have one of those days. <laughs>
0: no bad days hashtag yeah
2: right whatever
0: (laughs) (laughs) and anyway something something in my triggers me something triggers you yeah and we end up throwing a bit of shade at each other or we end up you know Mm. speaking nasty to each other instead of being gentle to the fact that we both had bad days yeah and so i go to like If we were able to, in that moment, just hold enough space so that you could decompress what was going on for you and I could decompress what was going on for me, make it real, not make it just in our bodies and in our minds, dissipate that energy by, you know, verbalizing it or just even hugging it out. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden we have saved ourselves a conflict, right? We've saved ourselves pain. We've saved ourselves some trauma. And then we extrapolate that into going into the street, going into the, co- when we lose it on our employee or, or we lose it on our boss or we lose it on the mm. person on the street or we're not patient with them. And then they react because we weren't patient with them. So then they carry that patience and they it carry domino that- effect. the dominoes. And so I just, my whole view is just all these things like comparison mm. and, and things that are, are often byproducts of just feeling a bit low and not a, not being able to. To just take what you're feeling and kind of let it pass before you have to to react, you know, hence firing out a Twitter message and you know all all that kind of stuff. Negative. I think if we just were a little gentler with each other, just a little bit. Twenty percent, ten percent gentler, we would see a lot of those things lessen. If we were gentler on somebody Mm. because they had anxiety, if we were gentler on somebody because they were dealing with depression. Yeah. And it seems pretty simple, (laughs) but it's not.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I agree. And here's the thing that I think of that. I think when you're able to do that, we go back to our humanity side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we are allowed to turn up as a whole. And we turn up as a human, not as Joel professional or Joel personal. It's Joel, here I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we come back to humanity as stakeholders.
0: Yeah, I think that's is that a mic drop moment? Did we just? Did you just drop the mic?
2: hashtag mic drop?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it felt like that was pretty good, but I mean. okay,
2: there you go. So, by the way, if <laughs> so, I'm gonna like totally switch that for a second. Sure, it is one of those mic drops. I think that's that's what I love about this this conversation. It really. There's been so many today, so many droplets of wisdom. And, you know, for those that maybe will find it hard keeping up, hopefully they've pulled maybe even just one thing out. And I know a lot of people listen to this on the replay. And I hope that in that way, it's like today we have been evolving in our conversation. You know, we took it right from the start and we talked about relationships and then we. We just went down all these different rabbit holes or pathways or thinking. And, and, and I think it was really important to press in on why you thought around and what your thinking was around comparison, because that was a story that obviously was huge as you shared your, you know, in your younger days, but it doesn't necessarily need to be the story going forward. And, and we kind of went on that journey. If people want to go on a journey more with you and learn more about you, where did I do that?
3: <laughs> well, <they> can, <laughs> I love
2: that cheeky
3: grin. <laughs> it's, it's nice you gave me the, the floor.
0: No, I, I have a I have a book called Getting Naked and it just came out. It's on Amazon right now. will be on other platforms soon. But it's the story of how to start a business from mm. inception to sale, which follows yeah. my naked underwear. But it also is the story of getting back to yourself
3: Hmm.
0: through your journey and using entrepreneurship as a vehicle to test out those old triggers and rebuild new ones, right? Using it as a window of self-discovery. And so getting naked, yeah, the bare necessities of entrepreneurship and startups. And then you can just find me at joelprimus.com where I blog and do love whatever
2: that. i do <laughs> no i love that and i i'm gonna look forward to reading that book i've i'm a book fanatic i love reading and i read so many different books to get different perspectives because i just go it's such a great way for us to develop without having to go through all those experiences because someone else has gone through it right so it's got to this time of the conversation where we're almost finishing up but this is the one time I ask the same question on a, every decision table, and that is, and it kind of is so funny, because we always talk about it, which is that these conversations, for change to happen, I believe we need to create awareness, and that awareness comes from a conversation, and you know, we could have had this conversation in private, and only us would have gained from that. And I hope that others will gain from it because we have done it in an open forum and realize that, you know, often it doesn't even matter if you don't agree. It just matters that you're having a conversation and you get out of that whatever that is that you need. And then, again, from awareness, then take ownership. So my question is this. What are you taking from our conversation today?
0: (laughs) Oh, good question. I, well, it's, it's been an interesting conversation for me because sometimes I'm exploring these ideas as I'm sharing them. And I, and I Mm -hmm. definitely preface that. And it was so, it was so great to have you make, help me understand, check in on, Mm -hmm. wait a second, you know, because I don't have all the right answers, but in my own journey, I can still get, get stuck in thinking I've found my own ways of looking at things that are, you know, that are healthy for me, et cetera. And so I thought that was just awesome to just take a step back. And to do that in a live recorded session is even more sort of exhilarating, <laughs> you know? And one thing that I hadn't framed in the same way you had, because I I had always framed the lessons learned in your healing process and, and sort of creating a new story for yourself is integration. But I much mm-hmm. preferred it, the way that you phrased it as simply just correct me if I get it wrong, but you said just essentially creating the new patterns or the new story for yourself. Yeah.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: So I love to rewire
2: that. to a new pattern.
0: To, that yeah. was it, to rewire to a yeah. new pattern. That was big for me. Right. Mm. Because as soon as you said that, I saw numerous blind spots where I haven't rewired to a new pattern, even if I'm incredibly self-aware about what Mm -hmm. might be happening in the old pattern. So that was...
2: I love that. That's beautiful. And I, I love the fact that, you know, this is what I mean by evolving, right? And I think that if we are willing to have these conversations, things like comparison will have no power. Yeah. And things like rewiring gives us a chance to change the story and to bring the change that we are wanting and needing to end. If we go back to our original right at the start conversation, that those footprints, right, for the generations to come, they are looking much better footprints.
3: Yeah. Right?
2: Right. So for that reason, I love it. I'm Wait on, before you say anything, I'll give you a chance again in a minute, but I want to say what have I taken from this conversation because, you know, the thing that I took was the space, uh, what if we gave space for gentleness, like that side of it. For me, that was just like, whew, what would that create? And how would I do it? That's what I actually went to when I thought of it. I was like, what if humans were, you know, gave permission to be more gentle? And I was like, what would that need to show up if I was doing that in the workplace? What would that need to show up as me as a mom? What would that need to... And I started diving into that, but because we moved on into many different things, of course, I didn't really flesh that out of my brain, but... I go, I'm really curious to find how I could be, as a human, more gentle and create more gentleness. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that.
3: You're welcome. And
2: if you were to leave or, uh, like, I just want to give you the space because I always want to do this at the end as well, and that is just if there's something you haven't been able to say. If there's something you feel that you need to be saying, is there what what is that?
0: I just like to remind people how you know anyone who's listening to this is obviously just filled with courage because they wouldn't be here if they weren't trying to evolve, as you said. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to wire you know wire new patterns and and tell themselves a, a an improved story from the one that they have been telling themselves and and I think that's the one thing that we forget so often is that we are so strong and so courageous mm-hmm. for showing up even if we're showing up in and we have anxiety even if we're showing up yeah. and we're feeling a bit depressed or fully depressed that is courageous mm-hmm. and I always just want people to remember how courageous they are for for showing up and in their lives and and doing this work, even if they haven't got the resolve, the result that they thought they'd have by now in this moment in time. It's there waiting for you.
2: Mm. I love that. Well, Joel, I'm going to end this broadcast, but I want to say thank you to you for having the courage to come to this table. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> be here with me and not know what's going to be thrown at you or where we're going to go with this conversation, but you showed up anyway. Oh, and I think you. that's brilliant and amazing.
0: Really, oh, thank you. I'm really grateful. So thank you.
1: Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards if you want to further your journey with us then apply to join us at our next leaders movement parlay the link is in the show notes we appreciate you help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders to achieve this together recommend this podcast to leaders innovators and movement changers Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.